there's a writer called Max Lucado. He's very well known in the Christian faith, in the Christian world. He's written many books. And for some time, he was living in Brazil. And one day as he's walking, uh, I think he was walking, he says, uh, on his way to teach a class in the university, he felt a tugging on his leg. Felt a tugging. So he looks down and he sees a little five-year-old boy. His face is really dirty. His hair is messed up. It's got pieces of stuff in it and, and his eyes are just so dark and they're looking up at him. And the little boy looked up and said, bread, sir, please. Bread. Now, um, turned out, so he noticed that he was a little beggar boy. Now, usually, and he said he was kind of ashamed to say this, but usually he would keep walking. Because what happens is, if you know some things about third world countries, beggar boys don't travel solo. Many times they travel in packs, right? And there's two things that usually they're known for. They're known for begging, but then robbing you, right? But they're also known for begging. Then before you know it, you got to feed not one, but two, but three, but four or five. Before you know it, you're, you're trying to buy food for 20, 30 guys. And so because of that, he says, you know, I, I know I can't, feed the, I can't feed all of them, so I usually keep going. He says, but something happened this morning that I could not refuse the request of this little boy. So he takes the little boy by the hand. And he says, follow me. And he goes into a coffee shop. And he says, I'm going to get some coffee. Um, the little boy can pick whatever pastry he wants. And it was on the other side of the coffee shop. So he figured he'll go get it and then he'll leave. You know, um, like most kids do. As soon as you get them the food, they, and they take off. So he gets his coffee. He goes back to his seat. Um, or he's walking back to his seat. And all of a sudden, he feels like someone watching him, right? You know that feeling when someone's watching you? So he takes a look over, and the little boy is standing there with the bread in one hand and with his eyes wide open. And he looks at him, and he says, sir, thank you. Thank you very much. And at that moment, uh, Max Lucado says that he wished that he could have bought him the entire store. Like the feeling that he felt moved by that little boy's thank you, Right? It just wanted to, it, he wanted to do so much more for him as a result of being moved by his thank you. This boy had an attitude of thankfulness, and it was, expo it, it was expressed. If we have an attitude of thankfulness, it will show. It will show. We will be expressive. We will be praising God. We will have joy in our hearts. Having an attitude of thankfulness is super important in the life of a follower of Christ. Do you understand that? This week we celebrate. And if we're honest with each other, let's not, you know, super spiritualize some things right now. Let's be honest. Most of you guys, the first thing on your mind is the pateles, is the pernil, it's the, it's the turkey, the, the cranberry sauce, potatoes, gravy, rice, beans, hams, cornbread. Come on, it's all that stuff is what's on your mind first. You're like, where are we going to eat? How many houses are we going to hit up? 
Because now the thing is like uh, Thanksgiving dinner hopping, right? Back in the day, it was like one plan, you're there, you're locked in, that's it. These days, I mean, you know, you know the, the younger generations want to be held down, right? So they're like, uh, yes, I'll go to yours, and yes, I'll go to yours, and yes, I'll go to yours. I'll get to yours, I'll get to yours at five, I'll get to yours at six, I'll get to yours at seven. And they just eat a little bit of each one. But uh, let's not forget what this is actually about, right? Giving thanks. Giving thanks. Giving thanks to our Heavenly Father who has blessed us all abundantly. I would like to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 12 through 19. Luke chapter 17, 12 to 19. Amen. All right. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Other versions say has made you well, which is important because we're going to focus on what that word actually means later. This is definitely one of the most popular Thanksgiving verses. This and enter gates with thanksgiving and praise, right? These are the, the, you know, the Thanksgiving Day verses to remind us about giving thanks. You would probably hear the preacher, when he uses these verses, uh, give exhortation and say, are you one of the nine that didn't go back and give thanks? But there's more in this, in the, through these verses, and I want to take some time to get into some of it. In this text, we, have ten, we meet ten men who have contracted leprosy. Now, I'm going to spend some time just to, to really give you a specific picture in your mind a clear image of what leprosy is so you can understand what these men are living with every day of their life. It was the most dreaded disease of their time. Most dreaded. Leprosy had no medical solution. It was no way. Once you had it, you were going to, that's it. There's no healing leprosy. No solution in these times. Disease was caused by a bacteria that was similar to tuberculosis, but it has a unique and terrible difference. What it does, it reprograms your body. It, like this disease reprograms your body uh, on a cellular level. So what happens is your body begins to attack itself. Your body is attacking itself. 
attacking itself. Um, it causes pigment changes on your skin. Sores that don't heal for months and months and months. Imagine, you guys ever, what is the most annoying sore anyone could ever have? This is maybe the little ones that you, sometimes you get in your mouth, right? A little cold sore, uh, one of the little ones. Listen, imagine just that not going away, right? Not going away. And then, and then, and then another one shows up, and another one shows up. And then and this one's not going away, and it's not going away. And it's just continuing to just one after another. Imagine how, you guys know how annoying that little thing is. Imagine sores all over your body that just won't go away. What happens is these sores, eventually they get worse and they get worse and they get worse and they begin to, to, uh, to, to make your body vulnerable to severe and fatal infections. The disease could last 30 years running its course through your body. It's a slow death. Imagine, imagine living 30 years with this disease. 30 years in pain, 30 years in discomfort, 30 years in, in, in with, these, with, 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 with these patches and sores and, and all this stuff all over yourself, just dying slowly and slowly while it continues to just deteriorate your body. Definitely painful. You lose the sensation on the ends of your nerves. You ever hear that people with leprosy will, like, like the edges of their fingers could get cut off and they may not feel it, things like that, pieces of their body. I mean, it, it, it's the muscles begin to deteriorate. It's just a painful disease to have. To add to this physical pain that the person endures, there's an emotional pain that is added to the already physical pain that they're going through. You see, what happens is, at first sign of this disease, you are instantly stripped from your family and quarantined out the city. Can you imagine that today? Somebody gets a little closer, they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They hide it because, wait a minute, is that leprosy? Get them! <laughs> Strip and pull them out. Throw them outside the city. Quarantine, removed from family, removed from community, never again to embrace your family. <laughs> that might be next. Never again. If you're here with any family members, look at your family members right now. Take a look. Take a look at someone that you love right now. Look around, look around, look around, look around. If you had leprosy, you were stripped from them, and you would never be able to hold them again. You'd ne never be able to hug them. Never be able to have dinner with them again. Never be able again. You were taken from them, and there was no going back. Couldn't hold your child in your arms again. Never again. I don't know why some of y'all got happy that you'll never see that person again. I don't know. <laughs> I saw some smiles. I'm like, it's supposed to be a sad moment. Lord, more love, more, Lord, more love. Lord, more love. <laughs> you were stripped from everything you ever loved. 
and forced to live in a colony with others that were deteriorating along as well. And then on top of that, if you ever were walking around and somebody who was not a leper was walking near you, you had to say, unclean, unclean, just letting you know, unclean. You had to announce yourself, announce yourself. Think of some of the sicknesses that we have today. Imagine you walking around, I got COVID, <laughs> COVID here, stay away. The flu, I mean, flu, I mean, it's not that bad. It goes away and stuff like that. But imagine something that was, it's just shameful. You know, things that, you know, you have to, you have to, and then on top of that, like, you're unclean. You're no good. You had to, you had to repeat those words. It had to come out of your mouth that you're telling someone else that you are worth nothing. All human contact was severed except for those hanging out in the colony with them with the same fate as they suffered together. Physical pain, emotional pain. And one last thing before we continue. If you guys ever, I don't know how many of you maybe have smelled this, but the, our human flesh isn't so pleasant to the smell when it's deteriorating. Okay? So if you had the unfortunate opportunity to smell the human flesh deteriorating, it doesn't smell good at all. It's a very unique smell that will turn your stomach. It will turn your stomach. And that's just with one person. So now we have a colony of leopards that are all hanging out. They have their little shacks and everything. They're all living there. They're all deteriorating together. They're all suffering together. And the area must smell like death. Hmm? That's right. Death. There are stories that uh, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. There was a missionary woman that, that she went with a goal to go into the leper uh, uh, le uh, leper's colony to give them aid and food and, and give them the love of Christ. And she, she wrote in her, in her book that she couldn't, no matter how hard she tried, she, her heart was like, I got to meet these people. I got to I gotta get to them. I got to love them. I got to show them that they're special. She says, no matter how many times she tried and tried and tried, she said the smell was so horrific that she could not keep from vomiting every time she would try to get near. So she couldn't even get to them because of the smell. This is what they're smelling on a daily basis, the scent of death going through their nostrils. Can you imagine the scene? That was leprosy. This was these men, these ten men huddled together, dying together, suffering together, going through everything that we mentioned together. They're there. And somehow they identify Jesus. Somehow uh, they identified Jesus as he was passing by. Perhaps they heard the stories, right? They heard 
about the miracles. They heard about the healing. They heard about his power. And they yell out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Do you think that was a desperate cry? Going what you're going through. Remember that picture that we just painted right now. You are there, and imagine all of a sudden you see Jesus. You heard how he healed. You heard how he did miracles. You heard how he has his power. He's the Messiah. He's passing by, and you're like, Jesus, have mercy on us, please. Please. Don't be like the other religious leaders that just keep passing us by, that keep shoving us into this colony. Don't look away just like everyone else does. Please have mercy. And then music to their ears was Jesus' response. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, I'm going to tell you why this is music to their ears. The priests in those times just didn't lead Scripture teachings. They just didn't lead worship on the Sabbath. They had other responsibilities as well. The priests were chosen within their community to be medical advisors. They had, they had, a, they had a lot of titles, those, those guys. Right? They, did, they did a lot, right? If a person had an infectious disease and was separated, but then somehow did not have that disease anymore, they would first have to go to the priest. And the priest would examine their body and say, looks good to me. Now you can go back to your family. Now you can go back to your husband. Now you can go back to your wife. Now you can go back to your kids. But it was only after the priest would Put their stamp of approval that you can return to society. So when they heard Jesus say, go and show yourselves to the priests, they, uh, they don't hesitate. You see, he, he doesn't say you're healed. He says, go show yourselves. Now, at this point, like, he, he tell, <laughs> he, he's telling them, I want you to behave as though you have already been healed, is what Jesus is telling these lepers. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. You would only show yourself to the priest if you were already healed. So he's saying, I want you to act. I want you to move. I want action in your life as if you were already healed. Because if you were healed, you would go to the priest. At that very moment, <laughs> like many of us would today, we'd be like, uh, Jesus, I, I still got this sickness. My fingers are still falling off. I still got patches all over my face. I still smell like death. You know I can't go see the priest right now. They're not going to give me the stamp of, of approval. They're not going to say I'm okay. 
Does it look like I'm okay? Look at all this. Look at me. But, but, yet they knew enough about God. They knew just enough about God and this type of testing of faith. You know, I'm going to take an intermission real quick. Um, <laughs> God, some of us here, and I know some testimonies because you've told me, have experienced testing of faith. Nini has experienced testing of faith. And when we act according to how God hopes we do and desires that we do, we benefit from that. We see the glory of God come through in that situation. Um, Al mentioned something on last Bible study. If you didn't know, last Thursday night was our last Bible study for the rest of the year. We're going to pick back up in the beginning of next year. But in the meantime, not this Thursday because it's Thanksgiving, but next week we're going to get together on Zoom like we usually do, or you can hang out on Oneida's or even anybody. You guys can hang out in anybody's houses, by the way, okay? Those are the two houses that said you can come to my house. But let's say some of you are, have a, you know, oh, well, you can come to my house, but you can. Get, get together. Get together. You guys can do that and then log in. It's okay. Um. We're going to log in, we're going to get together, and we're going to have Testimony Thursday. We're going to have an opportunity for you guys to share your testimonies with one another. And what happens is um, we can hear about what that testing of faith looks like. We can be encouraged by it. We can be aware about it. Maybe it comes up in your life, and you, can, you know, instead of blaming the devil for something, you can say, you know what? Maybe I just need to get through. Maybe I just need to step up, put on the big boy pants, and get through this. Okay. Start the clock back up. Um, so what they said, they knew enough about Jesus and this type of testing of faith. They knew enough about Jesus to know that he wasn't going to play a cruel and evil joke on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they heard about how great Jesus was. They heard about this man of integrity. They heard about this, the, the, this man that is the Messiah that's going. He's spreading the, 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 the news of, of the kingdom of heaven. And, and you know what? When he tells them to go and show yourselves to the priest, they're not like, is he, is he messing with us? Is he playing a joke on us? They, don't, they know enough about him to say, you know what? If he says to do it, I'm going to do it. And so there's a lesson of faith in here. I want to take a moment to say that we all need to hear about faith during this Thanksgiving week. And faith requires trust. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Those men at that moment, they had to trust the Lord. Because guess what? If they were going to depend on their understanding, like I said, their skin is still rotten. They still fear and pain. They still smell like death. But they trust, they chose to trust in the Lord at that moment. If you want, if you wait until all your problems... <laughs> are over and solved 
before walking in faith, you are going to miss the power of God in your circumstances. Listen carefully. We cannot put conditions on God. Lord, once all my money issues are solved, which is, this is the most common, once all my bills are paid, once all my money, all my, my debt is paid off, then I'll start giving financially to the church. Well, you'll probably be in debt a very long time. Our Lord, Lord, or Lord, if you just solve my family problems, if you just solve my issues at home, if you just solve all my troubles that I'm going through right now, then I'll start taking my family to church again. It's so sad that there are so many people that run away from the body of Christ in their circumstances, in their trials, in their tribulation. There's so many people that run away from the family of Christ. Instead, God calls us to trust him before anything has changed. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Can you trust him before anything changes? Can you do that? God is asking, will you love me despite your disease? The disease in us looks so many different ways. A disease of bitterness, a disease of unforgiveness, a disease of rage, a disease of depression, anxiety. Will you love God despite your disease? Will you obey me despite the lack of ability? Remember, remember Moses? You want me to lead you, you want me to lead how many people? I can't even talk right. Will you obey him despite the lack of your resources? Will you follow me despite your depression? Will you trust me to do what I say although it doesn't make logical sense to you? Will you trust me to do what I said I would do although it may not make sense to you? Because he doesn't care if it makes sense to you or not. Do you, can, I, can I be honest with you? God does not care if it makes sense to you or not. He wants you to trust him. Faith without works is dead. And there are a lot of people right here in Philly, right here in this neighborhood, and even right here in this church building right now, who say they have faith in Christ, but their choices 
and actions show the complete opposite. And I say right here in this building because many times we fail to fully trust God. We say we do, and we find ourselves trying to take matters into our own hands. And that's why so many of us are running around frustrated and all messed up. He's look, Jesus isn't looking for people to fake it till they make it. Yo, that's the saying that came out, right? And it may apply to some things, but it doesn't apply to faith. <laughs> this doesn't apply to faith. You can't fake your faith. Faking it until you make it does not work here. You can't act like you have faith in God. He's looking for what he found in Noah, whose belief in God's warning about the flood moved him to build this massive ark, although it had never rained. Here comes God, Noah. It's, I'm going to send rain. Well, what's rain? Oh, it's water that's going to come from the sky. Okay, you're going to send it? Yeah, and when I do, I'm going to flood the entire earth, and everything's going to die. That's why I need you to build this big boat, put some animals in there, get your family in there. Do you understand the amount of faith it is to build a boat because God said it would rain when you have never seen rain in your life? He's looking for people like that. He's looking for what he found in Abraham who believed God's promises and in faith he took his family, he uprooted them, and he followed God's direction to a land that he had never been. And, you know, some people will say, oh, well, it's probably easy to do that. It's not so hard. If you have nothing, it's not hard, right? Well, you know how it is? The, least, the, le the less you have, the easier it is to go from one place to another. If you don't have no family, you go, it's easy to go travel the world. If you, if, you have, if you have no luxuries in your place, you know, like you, know, like you live the hobo life and you just go wherever you like. But Abraham was people. Some people don't realize that. Abraham's family had money. If you guys know about Abraham's family, they would build, they were, they were idol builders. They would sell these to the people and stuff like uh, these pagan idols and stuff like that. There was money in his family. And he had to get up turn away from his family status and everything that could have been his to go to a place where he knew nobody, he's never been to, but God said to go. Come on. I don't think we would have done that. That's hard. That's hard. This is what God is looking for. Some of you are currently in the midst of some troubling circumstances. And we talked about having faith, in, choosing faith in the midst of suffering. The question for you this week, can you give thanks? Can you give thanks for the promises that have yet to come, pat, to come, uh, to come to fruition in your life? God has made promises. Can you thank him? 
in advance, although they have yet to come true in your life. For prayers that have yet to be answered, can you thank him for that? One of the things that I know I've gotten into the habit of making sure I do is I, 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 I go before God, you pray, you put your, your list before him, you worship him, you praise him. But then at the end, I just thank him for answering the prayers. I thank him. I just do it right away. I just tack it right in. I thank him. I say, you know what? Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the provision. I pray for provision. Thank you for the provision. I know, I know you'll do it. Thank you. It may not look the way I imagine it, but he's still going to do it. Can you trust him beyond what you can see? Okay. So getting back, getting back to the story, right? Here we have um, uh, the 10. They're dirty, they're stinky, they're unclean, they're limping, uh, they're way back to the priest, they're trusting God at that moment. And the Bible says that as they went, as they went, oh, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. Okay. Now, as they were walking, as they went, the Bible says that they were healed. Can you imagine the scene? I, I, I like to imagine these things, right? I like to imagine it, right? You know, you got some limping, you got some like holding this, they're trying to keep patches of meat together, right? They're walking, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. It's like, hey, this doesn't hurt anymore. And then I, and then I turn, I turn to tell my buddy, like, hey, my leg don't hurt. I look at him like, oh, you don't got the patches on your face no more. You don't got them either. Wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. And then like, oh, let me check you. Let me check you. Can you imagine years and years of suffering and pain? And at that moment, you see that God has done something miraculous in your life. And you're there and this joy is overwhelming you. You're like, oh, my God. At that moment, and I can imagine the scene. Think about it. Imagine it. These 10 guys who were dying together now as they chose to trust God, walk in faith, they look at each other and they see that he has done a miracle. Man, they, you must have heard those screams for miles. The shouting, the joy, the excitement for miles and miles and miles. Crutches were thrown away, you know, like, I don't need this. Who was it? Who was it? Uh, Peter Popoff. Some of y'all know who that is. You're healed. Cain's throw off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, jumping, shouting, joy. It was like, I remember when I, when I lived, when I, lived um, when I was in the Marines, yes. I lived like seven or eight minutes from the beach, and it was beautiful because I can go whenever I want it. And summertime, I would go right after work. Like, I was in full uniform, like in my fatigues, and I would still, I, I would still go, and it would be like hat, shirt, pants, because I would wear my swimming trunks underneath my uniform. So when I would be in the water, finally, and look at the beach, you would see the trail of my clothes. 
I imagine that that's how it must have been. These guys are like, bandages off, this off, this off. And it's just like, you see a trail representing death that was no longer attached to them. Death that was behind them, no longer within them. Are you, I mean, does it make you excited? Like, is it, it does, do you, you, when you put yourself in the scene, imagine you were one of them. You're like, wow, right? Right? All of a sudden, the excitement starts to die down. The next thing is the next wave of joy, the next wave of excitement. Wait a minute. I can go see my wife again, my kids, my parents. And all of a sudden, it's like, you, it's like, okay, I'm healed, but wait, now I can go back and be with the people that I love that I haven't seen for years. And imagine them running, running, running into the community, into society with tears running down their face. But in the midst of all this excitement, in the midst of the joy, in the midst of running back because you're about to see your wife, your kids, your husband, you haven't seen them in whatever many years, one stops. He stops for a second. He stops for a moment. One stops right in his tracks as the others kept running ahead. He turns around and he goes back to Jesus and he says, he's shouting, he's shouting to Jesus. He's shouting, giving him thanks, and he falls at the feet of Jesus. In doing so, he teaches us three things that I just want to touch on before we close. Three things that teach us when it comes to giving thanks. What he did first was he tracked his blessing to the source. He tracked his blessings to the source. Verse 17 says that Jesus asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Common decency says if somebody does something nice for you, you go back and you say, this was expected. But these questions that Jesus asked, it points to something ugly in our hearts. We have a tendency to enjoy the gift without worshiping the giver. We have a tendency to enjoy the gift without worshiping the giver. We have all grown so accustomed to the comforts and conveniences of our lives that are viewed as luxury and extraordinary for many in third world countries. You guys don't realize that's why I'm so excited to get started on going on missions trips with you all. Some of you actually need to see that firsthand to be grateful for what you have here. We have grown so accustomed to our, uh, our comforts and conveniences, right? Like, you know, when you guys got up this morning, you went to brush your teeth, you put the water on and it turned on and water came out. Some of you guys got out of bed, you turned the light on. You had light. You all have shoes on right now. But these are things that we, well, of course I have shoes on, Pastor. When we leave the house with no shoes? Well, some people do. Some people do. 
You see, what happens is grace, has seemed, grace seems so common to us that we feel now entitled to it. We have so much, we have so much that graces our lives on a constant basis for which to be thankful. And we don't even realize or give thanks. King David has the right idea, right? He puts together like a remedy for this oversight. He praises the Lord and he acknowledges his blessings. Psalms 103, 1 to 5 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I may never forget the good things he does for me. Then he starts to say it. He forgives me of my sins. He heals me of my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. It should be not a once a year thing where we thank God for what he's done for us. The only thing different about Thanksgiving Day should be the food, should be the dinner. The only thing different about Thanksgiving Day should be the fact that, yeah, you could eat in five different places in one night. That should be it because you should be living a life of gratitude and thankfulness throughout your entire life on a daily basis, acknowledging the greatness of God and the many blessings that you already have. Before, at some point on the way to the priest, this one leper that stops in his tracks, right? He thought about and actually did what David's talking about. He stopped and he acknowledged where the blessing came from. This is amazing. Wait a minute. Jesus just told me to do this and I did it and I'm healed. He's the, he's the reason why I'm healed. He's the reason why I'm healed, and he returns back to thank the blesser. Before he celebrates with anyone else, he returns to offer the only thing that he could. What did this leopard have? What could he go back to Jesus with? Oh, listen, I had these five dollars in my pocket, and I just want to thank you for what you did. He had nothing. But he returned to Jesus to give him the only thing he could, which was his thanks and gratitude. To the one who had been so good to him. At some time this week, before you guys eat and stuff yourselves with so much food and then have to repent for gluttony later, <laughs> stop and actually consider the goodness of God in your life. Don't rush ahead like the nine to enjoy the abundance of food, family, homes, and forget where all of that even came from in the first place. The second thing is that he wants, says, let the measure of God's mercy be the measure of your praise. When this leper found out that, <laughs> that he was healed, he was loud. It was said he shouted, right? He was loud. Verse 15 and 16 tell us that, um, that he could return with a loud voice and gave glory to God. You, you could hear this guy coming. He wasn't going to be like, 
He was like, Jesus! Like he was shouting, he was screaming, he was excited. Everybody was gonna hear that he had something to say. Everybody was gonna, everybody that was, was watching within ears distance would hear that something happened to this man. He gave glory to God. At the top of his lungs, this was joy. This was an amplified praise. This is a I don't care who hears this type of praise, right? This is like I don't care what they think. I don't care if I'm the only one doing this. I don't care what people are going to say about me. I'm going to praise him. Don't you know I was a leper for years? I was dying. I was decaying. And this guy saved my life. I could care less what you think. I'm going to praise him. Can I say something without y'all getting upset? There are times when I'm sitting right here during praise and worship that I honestly, I want to get up here and I want to be like, Erica, hold on a second. Girls, guys, everybody stop. And I want to take a moment to look at you guys and ask you, has God done nothing in your life? Has God truly done nothing in your life? Because that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like, that he has done nothing in your life because you can't open your mouth to worship and praise an almighty God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have neighbors. They should be complaining every Sunday. They should be like, Pastor, it's so loud. I don't want to say, just come over. It'll be done soon, an hour or whatever. We should have people saying, what is going on in there? Has God done nothing in your lives? Has he not filled your lungs with air this morning? He's not giving you another day of life. Has he done nothing? Because if he has done anything in your life, we should be able to hear the praising and the shouting because of the thankfulness and gratitude of the blesser that you're showing to the blesser. So sorry, but not sorry. I do hope that challenges you, though. I know it's hard if you're not used to opening your mouth to worship. I'm going to tell you right now, the, the reason why it's hard is because the enemy doesn't want you to freely worship. He doesn't want you to experience the freedom of praise and worship, the liberation, the, the, the chains that come off during praise and worship. He wants you to stay bound. So whenever you feel like you can't sing or worship or raise your hand off, you got to be like, get off me, Satan. Get behind me and move forward. I challenge y'all to, to be louder, to be more, to, to, to worship him with, with, in spirit and truth, the way the Bible says. Though he slay me, mm. that's right. In good and bad, come ready to praise the Lord. He's praising the one who's, you know, we come, uh, the, we come to praise the one. We, the one who has been healed much, praises much. 
The one who understands what they have been saved from and delivered from. Do you understand? And that's why it's important to know. First of all, the gospel, period. He came. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. You were, you were, on, you were on, uh, on death row, and he saved you from that. If he does nothing else for you for the rest of your life, that's enough. That's enough. Psalms 118.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for, his, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Let the depths of his mercy to you be the gauge, be the gauge of your gratitude. And lastly, I want, we need to understand that the, the impact of our gratitude, what the impact of our gratitude has on saving faith. There are two words to describe what happened to all the 10 leopards. In verse 15, they use a word healed, which means mended, whole, made whole, cured. Um, in verse 17, they use a word that says cleansed also meaning emphasizing the wellness. Both of these terms are medical terms, right? And I'm saying this because you look at the Greek words that were used for it. These are all medical words in the Greek, right? They describe them being free of disease and they're ceremonially clean and they're cured. But there's another word. There's a different word that Jesus says exclusively to the one that came back. When he, he says to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Well. Made you well is very different word from the others because it is not a medical term. In the Greek, they have the word there was uh, sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo is the Greek word used there. And that means saved, rescued from danger. Did you guys get that? Did you guys get that? The 10 were all healed. The words used to describe everyone was you're healed, you're cleansed, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're made well. This, I mean, you're, 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 um, you're whole. It was in reference to their medical condition. But the one who came back, Jesus says to him, I mean, let me just substitute in there. Rise and go your way. Your faith has rescued you from danger. We see the word so-so in Romans 10, 9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that word, the Greek is sozo. This was the word that Jesus uses for the man who connected the healing to the healer. This was the word that he used for the man that connected the, the rescue to the rescuer. This is the man who connected the Savior to salvation. When this leper met Christ, he had two fatal conditions. He had two fatal conditions. One, 
was the physical disease of leprosy. And the second was a soul diseased with sin. After his belief, his trust, faith in Christ, and his return gratitude and thankfulness, he was made well in a way that surpassed all his expectations. Church, can you rise this morning, please? Prayer team, can you make your way up? Oh, Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This week is Thanksgiving. Said it like 50 times. Y'all can't leave here without forgetting that this week is Thanksgiving. Let us take time to truly thank the source of our blessing. Let us be thankful beyond what our eyes can see. Let us learn to praise him loudly with our lives, just as Christ has loudly shown you grace and mercy and love. I mean, God's not quiet about that. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, he doesn't ration his love. He doesn't, he doesn't tone it down. He doesn't, you know, minimize it. So why do we minimize our worship and praise? Why do we tone it down? Why do we rationalize it? Like, well, I'll give him a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow. A little bit. Why, why do we live like that? I, I, church, I beg God. I pray to him. I beg him. That some bell or light is turning on in your life right now. Like, I, I, I prayed to him. I said, Lord, please, are they getting this? That something changed today in your life forever. Not just until Tuesday and then it wears out. Because a lot of us, we live like that. Sundays is a recharge button, and then all of a sudden by Wednesday, we already spent battery's dead and that's only because you have no personal relationship with Christ of your own you're not praying on your own you're not worshiping on your own you're not reading on your own and you're only depending on Sunday for it and then you wonder why you can't make it the week Father we thank you Lord we thank you for everything we have we thank you for everything we will have because everything comes from you. You are our provider. You are my Jehovah Jireh. Change our lives today forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.